0: and welcome to Today in Space. I am your space science podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Giorfanos. And this week, we've got an episode of Thoughts from an Engineer. This week is literally a thought I had this week that's just kind of been obsessing in my head, uh, spinning around in that infinite loop. And I've really been toiling with how to approach the actual question, I'm tr- the, the thought that I'm addressing here. So what I wanted to do was start with a few ideas and build on top of them and then go with it forward basically the idea is when we start sending humans into space what are the different things to think about that maybe aren't being thought about right now and how humans are going what challenges are humans going to face as they live long term in space not just you know johnson to space and you know, in, in some cases, uh, up to a year, 360 something days in space, like we had with the year in space mission a few years back. So, what I wanted to do was break that down for you. We'll do that in just a second. First, before we really get into this, let's start with the, the business side of things, right? If you're new to the podcast, my name is Alex. Um, I went to school for aerospace engineering, uh, got my degree in that, and then ended up finding my way in 3D printing and with this podcast. And now we talk about space and science all the time because that's what I'm passionate about that's what these episodes of this podcast are about are things that I find interesting um, and things that I think are, are worth sharing with people um, and of course if you want to get involved if you want to tell us what you guys would like us to cover on the podcast we're always open for that we'd love to hear that from you so um, reach out to us today in space podcast at gmail.com you can follow us on Facebook at today in space podcast you can also uh, on twitter today in space pod on instagram today in space pod and of course we have our 3d printing lab ag3d printing on instagram ag3d-printing.com for our website to see the the different things that we've done with 3d printing the businesses that we've helped create ideas with like snap collar and uh of course ag3d is our etsy shop where we literally sell uh products that we 3d print high quality 3d printed products um nice gifts not too expensive and then of course there's the option to bring your own ideas into reality with 3D printing and that's a lot of what we started doing and all of that funds the podcast and the fun stuff we're going to do so with all of that said this week's podcast I want to talk about a few different things there's definitely a Mars episode coming up here for sure because a lot of this thought started thinking about Mars it also is kind of in the afterthought of James Webb Space Telescope being remotely assembled in space from Earth using the deep space network to communicate back and forth. And doing it without any cameras, just looking at the sensors, looking at what the data is telling you, did that motor turn did is the current spiking on that motor? It's a wild, wild thing. So like all of those people that were involved in the remote assembly of that needed to have a really deep cyber knowledge, a really deep technical knowledge of like, what am I looking at? What is that telling me? How do I troubleshoot that? And that's kind of the skill that we're looking for here, not to give it away, but basically the question we're asking is what kind of skills are you really going to need in space? Like we've got this grand idea of living in space and how awesome it'll be, but I think we go to the the Star Trek, level of it, right? Where like the computer does most of the work for us, we have, um, you know, we figured out how to make replicators and basically turn light into matter. What happens before that? What happens to all the lead up to that? And what are those first humans that are going to help us establish that going to need to do so contactless drilling, let's start there. So obviously, we know the movie Armageddon, and we know the challenge, they need to send humans up there, to install equipment to actually drill into the asteroid to deliver an explosive that would blow up the asteroid and make more debris. But that's, that's a whole other thing. But they needed they the whole thing that pretty much failed for them was that the drill, the the actual drills weren't holding up to the actual metal that they were drilling into. And that's definitely a problem. Like, not only would you have to bring all of that stuff into orbit in the hypothetical scenario that we send Bruce Willis <laughs> into space to drill an asteroid and drop a bomb. You still would need to bring all of that stuff up there. Um, and of course, right now, the reality is, is sending stuff into space requires mass and the more mass that you bring up there, the more fuel you require. And there is a limit, there's only certain vehicles that can bring that stuff up there. James Webb Space Telescope is a great example where they the spacecraft is way bigger than the bearing that they launched that thing up to up in and so they had to fold that thing up like origami before launching into the space and then assemble it unfold it in space. So that's extremely challenging. And it's if you're going to drill on someplace like Mars, how are you going to do that in a way that's economical for space that we can do today right and not have to wait for something that can, you know, space elevators or some other massive improvement in the ability launching things into space. Could we send a rover there with this contactless drilling robot? So this article from Interesting Engineering is really fascinating. because it's a, it's a robot called Swifty. It's created by a San Francisco-based startup, Petra, uh, which we'll have to get into. But basically, they were able to drill through the hardest rocks on the planet, which would normally destroy drilling equipment like we saw in the movie Armageddon. Uh, and they, they were using superheated gas. So Petra's semi autonomous tunneling robot offers, as they say, fast and cheap solutions for infrastructure projects, which is a lot of what this next phase, Artemis Accords, the gateway, and all of these things that these long term efforts we're trying to do in space, we're going to need to do some drilling, we're going to need to be able to set infrastructure in a similar way that we do to earth, because that's what we know what to do. Uh, and they say that every method that's commercially available is a high contact method that grinds up the earth it contacts in order to remove it. Uh, Kim Abrams, the founder of Petra said, this is a completely new way to tunnel. So how it works, it says here in this article, the company previously used plasma to melt the rocks to drill through. But the extreme heat above 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit over 5,500 degrees C turned the rocks into lava. And so they wanted to go with a colder option so that the the rock didn't turn to lava. And it looks like they were the drilling robot can bore 24 inch tunnel through 20 feet of CU quartzite, which is the hardest rock on earth harder than the blue stone granite, which is the type of rock that you normally have to dynamite in order to get anything to go through. So this this robot has sensors attached to small rods, which touch the rock and then the excavation is carried out by applying heat and gas. Um, the semi-autonomous robot system can create 18 to 60 inches uh, inch diameter tunnels through the hardest geologies with a non-contact thermal drill that melts any type of rock by heating a mixture of gas to apply heat above 1800 degrees Fahrenheit 982 Celsius that breaks rocks into small pieces. So What's really amazing and we'll have this article here for you guys is when you're thinking about what you're going to do there, you have to think about what does it take to accomplish that once you're there. So if you're able to do this with some kind of fuel and with gas, that is a much more manageable thing to launch into space. And then you can have someone troubleshoot that. A great example of this recently, the Mars mission insight, which launched on May 5th, 2018, aboard an Atlas five, From vandenberg air force base in california landed in november 26th 2018 and landed at elysium planitia and was trying to drill and was unable to the the little drill that they were uh, using ended up finding a stone a rock some hard surface it wasn't able to vibrate around and they tried very hard to use the arm to push that that little uh, excavator down to get it to maybe move that thing out of the way and it made some progress but basically they had to stop and when you're on mars and not expecting that to happen there's only so much troubleshooting you can do so again the best solution is to send human beings but you'll need to actually be able to troubleshoot and this is where i'm trying to connect this whole thing right (laughs) so um if we're going to go to the moon if we're going to go to Mars, we're going to go to an actual place, a, a physical landing place and not a station. And we're going to want to send humans there. Humans are going to need the ability to troubleshoot, they're going to need a level of technical knowledge. And this brings me back to our earlier conversation with Bill Britton, who came on Episode 250 to discuss Securing our space future cyber security in space and That whole conversation was on around the idea of how cyber skills are really important and how You know the next generation they're trying to give them this kind of base level of skill that they're gonna be able to use and I think that's gonna be extremely important in the long run uh, Especially the short run here for space. It'll it'll probably become at a certain point like second nature, like breathing, right? It's like, it's just a skill reading even, you know, if something on your space station doesn't work that you're living on, if something on your spacecraft doesn't work that you're living on, you're going to need to be able to troubleshoot that. Uh, Even on earth, even today, right? I literally, you know, I use Final Cut Pro 10 to edit things here on the podcast, and I kept needing to take so much more time. I kept, my hard drive kept filling up. in in the one that was holding all the storage, it's, it's a few terabytes, right? (laughs) It's a lot of information. And the only way I was able to really solve that was because I had the internet and the available the availability of all the resources of earth here on the internet to access to use to learn something, right? A lot of the reason why I'm able to do this podcast because there's so many people on YouTube and so many people online that I was able to learn from and build these skills on top of what happens if we go to Mars? We don't really have access to that stuff when we're on Mars, right? You don't have access to YouTube, to Earth's YouTube, you don't have access to Earth's Google, you only have what you bring with you, right? So thinking about the long term of things, there's going to be something missing, you're gonna have to bring those skills with you, right? Or else you're gonna have to bring certain things with you ahead of time. And if you start experiencing new problems that you didn't expect, you don't have the resources to pull again, or at least it's going to be at a cost of time, right? Of how long it's going to take the light to travel back from if we're on Mars, Mars to Earth, right? Um, And so literally thinking about this, this whole thing. So on, on Final Cut Pro here back on Earth, my problem, what I had to do was delete the cache, the cache was building up to a point, I looked at it the other day, was 2.3 terabytes of, of, you know, proxy media, things that were rendered so that they looked good so that they could export all things that need to be done. But I had been working on that cache for easily a year and a half. And I wasn't sure if I could just delete it and move on with my life. It found it turns out I can just delete it and move on with my life. It just then requires me to render anything else that I actually want to use and work on and, and eventually export. So, I was able to solve my problem here, but imagining how much more of a problem it would have been on Mars or the moon, uh, is, is definitely something to think about and uh, other things to think about as we're, we're working our way towards living in, in space and, and really spending our lives in space is not only is the, not only is. The information, the things that you're going to troubleshoot, really important to bring with you. Um, like, for instance, if I'm going to 3D print, right, I might want to bring a few YouTube channels worth of videos with me or maybe books, but those things take mass. So ideally, if you're bringing information and knowledge with you before a place like Mars has that local knowledge and their own local internet, right, Marsnet, uh, you're going to need to digitize that. And of course, with everything going on with the world right now, because that's right, that's the only way you can bring it with you, right? If you can bring a little one terabyte thing, and, and have that storage with you, you could plug that into your suit, you could you could store that very easily, right? It doesn't take a lot of space and you can access that wherever you are. The same thing goes for thinking big picture money on Mars, right? Think about what the value is going to be right here on Earth, again, Back in the old days, we used to use gold as our, our way of establishing how much value someone had at one point, salt, wars were fought fought over salt. So obviously, having limited resources could have their own monetary value, but you're not going to be bringing them necessarily there with you. And at least in the in the short term, 50 years, 100 years. It's not like Mars is going to have its own local source of money or value. Uh, Obviously, things like water and air are going to have their own added value, but those are going to be necessities brought with you. So how do you pay for things when you're at Mars? Is it going to be the barter system? Is it is it going to be something that you're going to exchange, you know, um, back and forth? Well, it seems like a very easy way to of something that we have today that could be implemented on Mars is cryptocurrencies and electronic currencies, uh, NFTs, things like that, although NFTs, I don't know how much value they'll really have there. But um, the idea of this digital currency, right, if you're thinking about the mass problem of space, we're not going to just magically solve the ability to send infinite mass whenever we want, right? It's going to be a challenge that's going to be there for a long time. That's why Starship still plays by the rules of sending stuff into mass, we would just be able to send more mass. Um, Something similar to what we did with the Apollo program, where we were able to launch the the service module and the landing module into space, and then send that spacecraft to the moon, we're going to need something like that for Mars, and the moon. So minimizing the the needed mass is important. So let's think about it, right? One of the things that we we've been running with because I'm still learning about NFTs and and cryptocurrency and, and all of those things. And by by no means am I an expert. And I am I am as a non expert exploring the ideas with a scientific mindset. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that I'm open to testing my ideas to see if they're true. I'm open to if someone knows more about it than I do, then I will be open to accepting that and figure out why they are correct. So when I'm exploring this idea, it is a thought it is an opinion based on what I have today. And if you know any more information, or you want to challenge any of the things we're talking about here, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear your perspective, uh, especially if you have an actual point to make. (laughs) Uh, It would be great to hear from you. uh, Especially if you're more, more of an expert in this area than I am. So with a cryptocurrency we we listened recently to the third interview of Elon Musk on Lex Friedman's show. And Lex asked an interesting question about like cryptocurrencies in space. And one of the first things I thought was it seemed obvious when something like Dogecoin or Bitcoin <laughs> came into the picture. And the whole hashtag to the moon thing with Dogecoin. My whole thought was, well, they're going to do some kind of demonstration in space. And it seems obvious that you know, you would want some kind of a digital currency or a way to, you know, we always talk about credits, right in the sci fi fiction uh, aspect. And uh, that makes a lot of sense, some kind of digital way to transfer you, you can't be bringing cash money with you like gold, gold bullion with you, right? Like you can't, that's not feasible in space. So there is going to be some digital aspect of it. Um, but Elon Musk brought up an interesting point that you know, the way some cryptocurrencies work is that they will verify as a network to make sure that a certain coin or a certain item like an NFT is verified. So there's a there's a check to make sure that the ledger is always correct, that an in and out process is being tracked and that it is actually the thing that it says it is. Then um, you get consensus from everything else, verifying that it is that and you're able to operate. On earth, on a local internet, that is a very easy thing to do because it travels at the speed of light. It's traveling short distances. So that transactional process happens relatively quickly. What happens if you increase that distance to the moon or to Mars, that ability to self check now needs to travel that whole distance. And so now cryptocurrencies become slow. If you're trying to use an earth based cryptocurrency on Mars, so it seems like the natural progression, natural progression of things would be that Mars will eventually have its own Mars coin. And we know that um, James Burke has talked about this and I know they're working uh, the Mars Society. They've definitely been discussing this idea of a, of a digital coin uh, for Mars. And it, it does make sense that, you know, a moon colony may have their own digital currency and local uh connections, because that's really the only way you're going to be able to use the speed and the advantage of what we use today for the internet and information passing back and forth. So it's an interesting thought to think about right of like what what could a localized cryptocurrency for Mars do for not only the lifestyle on Mars, right, if you're buying goods, supplies, resources, Whatever else may come from the first people living on these other planetary bodies, but also for the independence of a place like Mars, right? Let's say, you know, you've got uh, shows like The Expanse and other science fiction shows where Mars and Earth are kind of always pitted against each other. um, Like Earth is looking down on the Martians and things like that. Well, having a having the limitation of requiring a localized cryptocurrency let's say or digital currency for Mars might actually help towards making so that Mars is independent of Earth right so that uh, Mars other than resources like water and those things uh, at least from a a financial aspect you could keep those two economies separate Um, Mars will obviously excuse me, Mars will obviously have its risk of limited resources. Um, that, that will always be a, a problem. But it seemed like an opening, something I had never even considered before, which is that if you're going to go to the moon, and if you're going to go to Mars, and you live there, you're going to need to pay for things. And how does that process go? And not that I have any answers, I'm more exploring the idea, and hoping that it Opens up some other question you maybe never considered and and maybe You're someone out there that knows more about this than I do and you could point me in the right direction, but um, This is just a really cool thought that I've literally been obsessing about all week And I just wanted to share with you guys here uh, And I want to know what you think so let us know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube reach out to us on social media Uh, DM us on Instagram on Twitter we love hearing from you guys. And we'd love to know what you think about this idea of having digital currency and paying for things. Once we get into space and start living there long duration. Um, I think it's fascinating. I'd love to know what you think, especially any new ideas that you thought of just from the idea coming up. So, um, Next week, we're going to follow up with another episode. We may be doing a Mars episode. There's a lot of things that we've got to cover from Mars that we didn't cover. So look out for that. And until then, be well, be good to yourself. I've been spending less and less time on social media the last few weeks because I just wanted to be present in my everyday life, Um, making sure that I could just get the things done and being present in daily life and not feeling like I'm just being... Attached to a rocket of the week uh, and just Launching through and just kind of holding on being like, oh, I'm gonna make it through. So um, As I try to take care of myself, I hope that you take care of yourself and uh, and be kind to yourself and hopefully we can work towards building a better future because um, I Think that's what's needed. We do need to build it. The 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 present is uh, in shambles. So Um, We wish you nothing but the best. Uh, We wish uh, that we build a fantastic future and that we look forward to next week. So thank you for joining us. Spread love and spread science. Live long and prosper. We hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.